Hey, welcome in. Another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. You can find us on Twitter at Brandon Sprague, at Angie Machado 1. Uh, welcome back. Another edition of the Damn Podcast, huh, Angie? I know. Bye week, too. It's done. It's football again. And have you seen the video of Coach Anderson dancing in the locker room today? I did see that, yeah. I saw that surface on the internet. I was I was laughing pretty hard about that. Yeah, that's that's a little different than hip hip hooray. <laughs> yeah. Are those shots fired? Are you trying to say something right now? No, I mean I just it's just such a different it's a total different mentality. Totally. It's crazy. Not a lot of uh hip hip hooray going on in Lincoln right now. Eeks, did you watch that game? Well, why would I watch? I watched the end of the game. I wouldn't watch that. It's Illinois. Oh, we watched. Oh, yeah. I I watched football all day Saturday, and we watched. We started with uh, Wisconsin. We watched that Wisconsin game, which was like watching paint dry, and then we watched the Nebraska game, which you know, as Beaver Beaver fans go, I mean, we've seen that during our our time. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it was it was good bye week, and uh, I'm ready though for Arizona. Yeah, I'm ready to. The bye weeks are bye weeks can be good, but then they also get you to a point where you're like, all right, it's 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 time. Let's let's get some football going again. Um, we got a lot to get to in this podcast, a lot to touch on with recruiting and hoops media day. We'll probably talk a little media day stuff with Oregon State hoops. A lot of hype and expectation coming with that team this year. And uh, Oregon State, your damn questions. I did want to give a quick shout out as well. Uh, probably is going to do this throughout the whole season to Scott Santana of uh, Scott Santana Insurance uh, in Kaiser, Oregon, a, a a sponsor for our podcast, a person that's helped our podcast. And so, if you are ever in the Salem Kaiser area and you need insurance questions or you're just looking for insurance, call Scott Santana five zero three three nine three six seven seven one. Uh, is the number you can find him at. He's in Kaiser, Oregon. So again, thanks to Scott Santana, Scott Santana Insurance. Uh, not only has he helped us, but we've kind of overlooked it. We're a couple minutes in already, Angie. We're on iTunes now. We are. Good job, Brandon. You finally figured it out. Well, here's the thing. iTunes, when you submit, they say we will notify you in X amount of time. Successfully submitted, we'll notify you. I never got an email. And so I had a listener... Um, one of the listeners we have, he tweeted me and said, it's so great, I can catch you on iTunes now. And this was after last uh, last Thursday's podcast had posted. And I was like, wait, what? So I opened my iTunes up and I typed, I just typed damn podcast in the search bar. And lo and behold, there it is. I click it. There's the three episodes that we've posted on our SoundCloud page. Perfect. So, so there, everybody should be happy now. We got SoundCloud. We've we've got iTunes. And uh, a quick thank you to everybody that listened. Uh, I checked out our numbers this week. I hadn't. Brandon just kind of been has been keeping me posted, but I checked about this week, and I'm impressed. Thank you for guys. Thank you guys for all giving us a listen. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I know for a couple of weeks there, our our destination, our landing spot was was tough for a couple people. Um, but we appreciate everybody that's been listening. iTunes, we've been doing really well on iTunes as well with hits. So we know I we knew iTunes was a big deal for a lot of people out there. Obviously. Uh, and we appreciate you guys for listening to the damn podcast. So we're excited. We're on iTunes, soundcloud.com backslash damn dash podcast. And then iTunes, if you just search in the podcasting area on the iTunes store, damn podcast, uh, it'll come up and you can subscribe there and you'll get a notification after I post it, after we post it on our SoundCloud page. So uh, no, it was fine. It was I. Brandon does all the legwork on this. He's the radio guy. There's no I in team. This is a we effort. All right? <laughs> okay. That's what this podcast is about. Um, let, I want to touch on something real quick. We are going to talk recruiting, but because I got a lot, we got a lot of damn question recruiting questions. But I do want to touch on Sherrod Thompson, the latest four-star kid to commit uh, for Oregon State. Remember they got Christian Wallace last week, week and a half ago, and now they have Sherrod Thompson. Uh, just what this means for a coaching staff this early in a program, and uh, just kind of building this thing up. Oh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, the, to have four or two four-star guys commit this early, um, and really, you know, one's from Texas. It's not like these guys are are local commits that are trying to help turn around Oregon State because they've grown up Beaver fans their whole life. Coach Anderson and his staff are doing a great job of selling their vision to these young men and uh, really making a pitch of why they want to come out here. And they both walked away completely blown away. So Christian uh, Wallace committed, you know, shortly after his 
his official visit, he was on campus the same time that Joe Robinette, who is a commit already, and Sherrod Thompson were on campus. Sherrod waited a little bit longer, um, but he did tell me kind of off the record, not really off the record because it's been out there now, but he did actually silent commit while he was on his trip, uh, just waited until it was he was comfortable, you know, going public with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, here's a program and, you know, give credit to the student athletes, the current Beavers that are hosting these guys, but they're selling a vision. Um, they're selling what, you know, Oregon State football is, what Corvallis is. Um, you know, Brandon, you and I both went to school there and we know what a fun town it is to go to school at. It's a college town. Um, but these kids are starting to see that too. So it, it's incredible. Well, and it's good to know too that Oregon State uh, is unlike Louisville in the sense of they're not going to hire prostitutes to come make these kids have a good time. They can sell them on just the idea of playing football for Gary Anderson and his staff in Corvallis. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on uh, recruiting, a lot of stories that we could talk about over beers, but um, you know, Corvallis, <laughs> they're, you know, now, there's, there's lots of fun, I think, that goes on. You know, I, it's fun. I, I talk to these young men after their trips, and you say, you know, what'd you do? We hung out. You get a lot of, I hung out, and we played Xbox. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm not dumb. I, I'm sure you guys, you know, went out a little bit. but For sure, yeah. I mean, But oh, I always get, it's like the, it must be like the staple answer they tell these kids. Just tell the reporters that you hung out and you played Xbox. That's all you did. Is is a silent commit, is that a common thing in the recruiting world? I've never heard of that until you literally just told me. No, it's not super, super common, but it does happen. You know, a lot of times a kid will, they want to make a splash. You know, they want to do it on their own terms. Or a lot of times a young man might commit on his trip like that, but he doesn't want to go public with it until he has a chance to talk to his parents, talk to his high school coach, Mm -hmm. do some things along those lines um, before coming out and and making that public. Once, Once it's public, it's a lot harder to go, you know, back out of that. Yeah, see, here's the thing with that, too. Like, I, I get it from the, the kid's perspective, like, on your own terms, and I, I think that's great. Most of these kids, like, unless it's, you know, signing day and they got the hats in front of them on ESPNU, a lot of these kids, though, when they do their verbals, they tweet it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just, I'm curious, I don't know, maybe I, this is a dumb question, but, like, if you're doing, a, if you in your mind know, I'm going to commit to Oregon State, maybe you're not sure if you're going to sign there, but I want to commit to Oregon State. Why can't you just send out a tweet like while you're in Corvallis? I just I I, I don't know what the play up is for a couple of days for kids. I, I think a lot of it is is just talking to their parents and talking, you know, making sure that this is a decision the whole family can be happy with. And uh, you know, high school coach, there's you know some of that that goes into play too. So you're not just making this impulsive decision of, oh my gosh, I have so I'm having so much fun. This is where I want to go to school. Are you surprised at their abilities to get two four-stars in this band? I know it's verbal, and they haven't signed yet, but we were talking about Riley uh, all throughout the week, texting back and forth about Riley's and his staff's four-star abilities. Of The last ones were Caleb Smith and Isaac Sayamalo. Sayamalo, obviously, the coach's son. And then uh, you go back before that. that He did really well in their runs when they were playing for the Rose Bowl in those Civil War games. Uh, But are you impressed with this ability? I mean, what does this mean from somebody who doesn't maybe follow recruiting as closely and is curious about how Gary Anderson and his staff are doing, what does that mean to get four, two four stars in that span? I think it's huge. Um, you know, you, you look at a program that this program has fallen a ton since those days of, of playing for Rose Bowl, you know, back in when there was kind of the, the, the apex of, of Oregon State football 08, back 09, in the yeah. 08, 09. It's fallen a lot. Um, and so for Gary Anderson to come in here and still a new, completely new offense, defense, and st- still hit the recruiting trail. He hasn't even been in Corvallis for a year. And, uh, you know, the team, I, I think they, are, they can sell hope. I mean, we've seen progress on the football field, and um, it, it speaks volumes. Just to the, you know, I know when he built the staff, it was built for recruiting. You know, that he wanted a presence in Florida, so he got Telly Lockett. He wanted Texas connections, so you have Derek Odom. And uh, you, you build this whole whole staff built for recruiting and it's starting to pay some dividends Mm -hmm. yeah it seems like it's pretty big time a lot of people pretty excited for what's been going on in Corvallis especially with news like that uh hoops as well a lot of a lot of positives there um Oregon State coming off of the bye week they come off the loss to Stanford where they were there for a while and then ultimately Stanford played Stanford football and and smashed them out Uh, but the bye week coming off of Stanford is a tremendous help considering the opponent you go against is Arizona, who's coming off of 
Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I said this on my on my radio show, twelve to three, Dirt and Sprague on ten eighty the fan. I I don't think there is Colorado. If you if you stack talent, obviously Arizona better than Colorado, probably Washington State and a couple other schools. But opponent wise, Arizona. Look at what they've done the last two weeks. They've been shellacked by the by their last two opponents. I could make a case that Arizona might be one of the teams you'd want to play as your first Pac-12 road game right now. Oh, completely. And, you know, you looked at who Oregon State has played. I, I was in, in Corvallis yesterday, and I asked Coach Baldwin this. If, if playing defenses, Michigan and Stanford's defense, has, you know, maybe toughened, you know, seasoned their offense, I guess. Is, and, you know, he, he said they're good, they good defenses, but, you know, he just spoke more about the, the job that they're doing as offensive coaches and players and, and coming together and saying that they basically shot themselves in the foot. So now you, you've taken those two tough defenses, and now you're going against, I don't want to say easy, because they're still going to present challenges, but they're nowhere near as big and physical as a Stanford or Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that has to bode well for Oregon State. I wish it was an evening game. The 1 o'clock in, in Arizona, it's supposed to be in the 90s. Could be a little, you know, a, a different a different look for the Beavers, but um, you can't blame weather because, I mean, we always talk about Arizona and Arizona State coming to Corvallis in in November and having to deal with that. So, I, I do think though that it sets up perfectly for Oregon State now to have this run after a bye week. You have Arizona, Washington State, and Colorado right there in a row. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you, up nicely. wouldn't you say, though, like, I, I see what you're saying about the weather, but wouldn't you say you'd rather play Arizona in a midday game, despite the heat? I know the heat sucks, but Arizona's known for what? The Zona Zoo, the rowdiness. Those kids get a little more rowdy when they get time to get booze in their system. You know, True. Those, those 7 o'clock games, are, I'm drunk, I'm going to cheer louder. There's something to playing Arizona midday that I, I think I'd prefer at this point. I, mean, I know they, you know that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, because the heat sucks, but it's it, gonna suck for for Arizona too. I mean, it, yeah, no, no kid likes playing in that. But I mean, you think about what that would have set up to be. I mean, a seven seven thirty game that would have been the night game, either yeah. ESPN or or Pac twelve. It would have been the night game, so like people get a little more amp for that. Yeah, no, good point. I'd never even thought of it that way. Good point. Yeah, I think if you can limit the amount of booze a college kid can consume. <laughs> it's good for everybody. That's, yeah, that's a benefit for you. Yeah, they've lost 56-30 to 30 against UCLA, and then at Stanford, 55-17. to 17. I did a bet last weekend. I bet on the uh, I bet on a team in the Pac-12 to cover the spread, and I won. It was like one of my first times like gambling officially. Uh-huh. I was nervous as hell because I put a hundo down. Ooh. I ended up winning, which was it's great. You. But Stanford and Arizona last week was a game that I was thinking, like, not only would I want to bet on the game I bet on, but I thought about betting another 100 on Stanford and Arizona because I just had a feeling Arizona was going to get stomped out by Stanford. Yeah. No, good. You should have. Jesus. 55 Dang to it. 17. I know. I mean, Stanford's looking good. And then Northwestern, you, know, you can point to the Northwestern loss, but Northwestern's looking pretty good. So They're undefeated. Like, yeah. I was um, Brad Edwards. Yeah, Brad Edwards on ESPN. They do their mock, you know, college football playoff. And that, look, that's it's ridiculous that they still do it. It's a month away from the first uh, standings coming out. He had Northwestern in his playoff. So, yeah, the loss looked bad at the time and they played terribly. That seems to be a good loss. Like, if you're going to have a loss on your record or on your resume, at least it's a road loss to an undefeated Northwestern team. That is kind of competing right now amongst some of the Big Ten, the better teams in the Big Ten. No, completely, completely. I, I agree. What do you think the keys are for this game against Oregon State and Arizona? Well, you know, like I said, I, I heard from Coach Baldwin yesterday, and I think, and I agree with him on this. I think the biggest thing right now is Oregon State needs to not shoot themselves in the foot, and that's across the board, defensively, offensively. You know, silly penalties. Um, Missed, missed tackles, missed drop balls. There's been so many times that the Beavers have, have kind of dropped the ball, so to speak, on, on a big play or keeping a drive alive. So that is the biggest thing I think that they need to do. And defensively, make tackles, wrap up, mm-hmm. wrap guys up. Whether that was fatigue or whatever the reason, they did not look like the second half at Sanford did not look like Oregon State Kalani Sataki defense at all. And then uh, offensively, I want to see growth, you know, continued growth from Collins. 
But, you know, if he can manage to take care of the ball and, and keep distributing the ball to his receivers, mm-hmm. I, I think there could be some good things. You know, um, I know Baldwin and uh, Gary Anderson have kind of preached about the running game and how important that is to get it going. The Beavers are seventh in the conference right now with 188 yards per game on the ground. So, I mean, they're not they're not dead last or are absolutely terrible, but I see their points of how important it is to kind of establish it, get it going. Because you look at the you look at it from the flip side, Arizona's rush defense is 11th in the conference. Like mm-hmm. you want to talk about a game to get a ground game going. This is the this is the game that Storm Bars Woods to me goes for 200 yards, 180 yards, just absolutely eats up the clock and runs all over Arizona. Arizona's so vulnerable on defense. Yeah, exactly. And and but this is game planning. This is one thing. You know, last week I watched the um, Colorado Oregon game. I mean, Oregon's pass defense is horrendous. Mm-hmm. And Colorado left Cepho or Leofau in the game, and he had a bum shoulder. He was he couldn't throw the ball. That's where I would have pulled him and put a, a guy that could throw the ball against that defense. But yeah. you know, game planning's huge. Storm is healthy. I was told yesterday, so he's ready to go. They expect Chris Brown to be healthy. So um, he should be ready to go. And, you know, then Ryan Nall. Why didn't we see more Ryan Nall at Stanford after after he uh, basically brought the whole team down down the field with him, that one drive in the, in the first half? Do you think we will? I do. I think we see more of him, but it, it's definitely going to be Storm and, and Chris Brown's night. Chris Brown getting back is kind of an underrated storyline, too. It definitely, definitely. But, you know, it's going to be Storm. You know, I think Storm goes as long as Storm can. And I wouldn't be shocked, like you said, to see him with 200 yards rushing by the end of that game. Yeah. I'm looking at, uh, I was looking at the Beavers' schedule, and uh, I'm on ESPN, but looking at ESPN, you can only go back to like 02. I know they got football reference that I didn't bring up, which I'm an idiot. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the last time Oregon State lost at Arizona. Oh, gosh. It's been, hasn't it been five years or five, five times down there? It's, I think they're 5 and 0 in their last five. Yeah, it might even go further than that. I got to bring this up because this makes me wonder too. Of there's kids on that in that program, you know, there's not a lot of them, but there's kids in that program. I mean, they're not accustomed to losing to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's something there's there's a little something to that to me of you know it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like in your mind, like oh, we don't lose here. This isn't what we do. Yeah, see, I'm looking at it, and I, I still can't find a loss. I'm, I'm still um, Oregon State has a six-game win streak in Tucson. A it ties for the game. longest current streak in the Pac-12 on a single opponent's home field. See, so they own Arizona right now in Tucson. You can say what you want about the Zona Zoo, but right now they own them. And then the other six-game streak uh, is Oregon State streak at Cal's Memorial Stadium. So that'll be for another day, but yeah. You know the other thing, too? I know Solomon's coming back. Yes, he's back. Is that, I mean, is that, 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 that was a big deal. I mean, I guess it was a big announcement, but does that strike fear into your heart? Not really, but, but Randall <laughs> sucked. So I he think. He was terrible. I mean, he was, he was pretty terrible. So then you have, but I, I don't, Oregon State's been preparing for Solomon all along anyway. So I'm um, expecting it to be him. So it's not any different from, from their standpoint. Yeah, that's what I was hearing too. Was Oregon State wasn't buying at all that it was going to be Randall, like yeah. Rich Rod and that staff that were trying hard. Oh, you know, we don't know. It could be Randall, it could be Solomon. Uh, there was a good quote from Kalani's talk. It was like, "Yeah, we're we're preparing for a new Solomon." Uh, yeah, Randall kid. I mean, he can just run. He can't throw the ball. So we'll prepare for the guy that can throw the ball. And if, even if you get the guy that just runs, we're ready to face that kind of offense. Yeah. No, they're. They're ready, and nobody bought it. Uh, Scooby Wright, I believe, is still out, though. So He's out for, like, five, six weeks. Yeah, like he's going to be yeah. out for a long time. That's a big one for them. And and Nick Wilson hasn't been running like Nick Wilson. So I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what the deal is. But, um, you know, go after him hard. I, I think we I think this is a game we maybe see some more tempo. Mm-hmm. We see Beavers go tempo, and we see those crazy, crazy weird blitzes that uh, Sataki likes to dial up. I don't think... I don't think their offensive line's very good. I, I don't. Maybe maybe Wilson is hurt. You're right, but he's even if it's just a one year sample size, he seems like the kind of kid that has the skill set where he's not just going to absolutely lose it and forget how to play running back. I don't think that offensive line's very good. That that could be too. The offensive line, you know, they're like the hidden the hidden uh, piece of the puzzle. They get yeah. no love and they 
get all the hate. Yeah. I mean, look, it's kind of what it is. You sign up for that gig. That's what it's about. Um, Oregon State, Arizona, thinking about this matchup and just where it leaves you. Does it feel like the Stanford game, maybe they take this into Tucson. Did it feel like the Stanford game to you was a more Dave Baldwin taking away running opportunities? I'll pull the stats up for Seth Collins and what he finished in the rush department against the Cardinal. But I couldn't help but wonder, is it was it something maybe Stanford did where they committed to say, no, we are not going to allow Seth Collins to destroy us with his legs? Or did it feel like that their play calling was more quick release, quick reads, get the ball out of your hands, that's the efficient way to beat Stanford? What did you think about like just Seth Collins' ability to run? I, oh, I think Seth Collins can run. I. See, I couldn't tell. I, you know, it, it seemed to me that Oregon State went away from the tempo that they were doing from time to time in the first half against Stanford, which I loved. It kept Stanford. I mean, they looked completely befuddled several times there. Yeah. Um, but we didn't see that in the second half. So whether that was Baldwin, I thought Baldwin called a great game that first half. But I, I, I'm talking it up to Stanford making adjustments and, and squishing out anything Oregon State was doing. But um, I did like the tempo. I wish we would have saw a little bit more of that in the second half. And I hope we see that against Arizona. Collins ran 13 times for 12 yards. Um, you talk about confusion. I remember his touchdown run was the one. Oh, yeah. Complete. I mean, he walked right in untouched. The sets. And I think that was the one where they switched their sets. They started yeah. and they switched. And Stanford was running around like, what the hell? Yeah. Oregon and then State there was, doesn't do this. I think, I think it might have been uh, the Nall that not, when Ryan Nall took it in where they were just tempo, and yeah. Stanford was like, they were out of position, they had no idea. Yeah, 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 on. it was push, 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 yeah. push. I do want to see what they do, like how they attack this Arizona defense, because I mentioned their rushing numbers and how terrible Arizona is. They're 11th in the conference. On average, they're giving up 192 yards, and I just pulled, up, I just pulled up their passing defense, 11th in passing defense. Really? 260 yards. You're looking at the 11th-ranked defense now Dave Baldwin had a thing about uh I think the quote was don't give me number don't I don't care about stats yeah, stats. stats are for losers is what yeah said. stats are for losers you can use them however you need to use them and I think there's some validity to that but ultimately too like stats also don't lie and yeah. Arizona being 11th in pass defense and rush defense I think there's a pretty good truth somewhere in that yeah definitely and Oregon State I, I have faith in this coaching staff to find the ways to exploit that. I'm a little surprised. I've read a lot of people's like articles, prediction things on this, talking to people, and it seems like there's kind of a consensus, close game, but Arizona's going to win. Yeah. And well, that's, you know, it, it was interesting. I did an Ask the Expert with the Arizona, the publisher of their site, and he, I asked him for a score prediction, and he went like 37-24 Arizona. And so back where's on... The, where's the confidence come from? Yeah, I don't know. Is it because Oregon State sucks or they're supposed I, to suck? I, I don't I don't get it. I, I think that's a lot of it. Um I see now you've brought up a whole new, you know, bailiwick with the I actually said twenty seven twenty four Arizona, but I thought the heat might play a, a factor for Oregon State. And look, maybe it does. You might be right about that. I mean But like you said, I mean it takes the crowd out of it as well, so in in certain ways. So no, I mean I this is a completely winnable game for the Beavers. Completely. There, there is nothing worse to me, and other people can only speak to their own experiences, but having, you know, I remember going to games in college, if Oregon State had day games, like day drinking can be cool, but you can also get worn out in the sun day drinking. Like you need water, you need to be hydrated, and there were, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were... You're ready to take a nap by two. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I remember when they beat USC in 06, and I'm sitting in the student section and we drank, and like that is still one of the loudest times I've heard Reese. Or like that was a special moment. But when you when you have an unranked team come into your house, I'm not, I'm just saying I think there's an aspect from a fan standpoint where you're like, eh, Oregon State sucks. We're not that great. We're gonna booze. And then mid third quarter, you're like, dude, I need some water, man. I gotta wake up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this is a good game. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. You're right. I mean, that's and it's hot. I mean, you're that hot. Yeah, your body paint is starting to melt off. Melting like, off you, your yeah. nipples are exposed. Oh, not for women, but for guys. And you're just like, what's going on here? I don't feel good about this. <laughs> I'm just saying, that was my experience. I went to a couple different day games. I remember going to Cal with Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson. 
And they got absolutely, Oregon State got boat raced in that game, even in, I think it was 31-7 or something in the first half, and most of the student section left. But like even that game, boozing up before and then going to that one, it was kind of just like, eh, I'm not really as into this as I need to be. <laughs> so you go home. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I did go home. They, they got destroyed in that game. That wasn't even close. Um, <laughs> the podcast is taking an awful turn. What do you mean? <laughs> no, this is a good turn. We're talking about booze. Everybody boozes. But I, I did say, I did tell Steve Fink, the SID at Oregon State, that our stories and our tweets would be a lot more entertaining if they served wine and beer up in the uh, press box. I, I always feel that, because I, I feel like, you know, you have days where you feel like you win social media. You're like, I had a good night. Yeah. And and maybe that doesn't even count for like I don't care what my retweet numbers were today. I had a great night. I, I was on my game. <laughs> I was witty as hell. Yes, I was proud of myself. <laughs> I made myself chuckle. You have to have those days. Yes. I I think if I booze during a game, I would have a lot of those. Yes. I think I'm a good drunk tweeter. Like if you've ever and this is going to sound really egotistical and I'm sorry, but if you've ever read a tweet of mine at Brandon Sprague, or at Angie Machado 1, if you've ever read a, read a tweet of mine and you've laughed, more likely than not, I've been drunk when I've tweeted it. <laughs> but it's one of those, it's probably a truth. It's probably a universal truth that you wouldn't have said if you were sober. Well, we all know that everybody's funnier when they're drunk. Like, you don't like the messy drunk, but you like the guy who's drunk enough to have some sense and then quick wit it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And at times I, I feel like I'm okay uh, if I'm not drunk, but when I'm, when I'm pretty, when I'm feeling good, I'm, I'm kind of like in a, a fuck it mode of just like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care if people get offended by this. I'm just going to say this. Perfect. Have you been drinking now, Brandon? No. no. I'm actually, we're airing, we're shooting, we're doing this podcast. It's Thursday. It's 430 uh, and I, I didn't know if you were like pre-funking for the Washington no. uh, USC game. <laughs> I mean, we had an f bomb drop there. No, oh, yeah, I dropped a little f bomb. Sometimes you got to do that. It, it get, Brandon's on in fuego today. <laughs> no, I still got to <laughs> drive home to watch USC Washington. I'm just, I'm excited. I don't, I'm pumped for this game. I really am. Arizona, Oregon State. I like not to go too like homer. I try not to be too much of a homer or bias or anything. And I, I know this is the Oregon State podcast, but. I like the fact, and I think it's funny, that it's just a given for so many people that Oregon State's going to lose. Exactly. And, and maybe the Heat plays into it. Maybe a new Solomon, who is clearly the better quarterback, plays really well, and Nick Wilson gets it going. Maybe that happens. But there's something to Gary Anderson, his staff, the way they play defensively, attack that running game, put pressure on the quarterback. I think Oregon State's got a legit shot. I really do. Oh, I do too. I, I think the next three weeks are huge. Yeah, could you imagine if they went 3-0? and It's asking for a lot to win at Arizona, at Washington State, and then Colorado might give you a decent little game in Corvallis. But imagine if they did. You're looking at a 5-2 and two team. Going to Utah. Going to Utah on Halloween, where I still think you're going to get boat raised, but you're 5-2. and two. Like that, that supersedes my expectation, and that's one game from being bowl eligible. No, exactly. I mean, I think if you can go five and two right now, I, I do. I think Utah. I think they're playing way too well right now. It's a home game for them. It'll probably it's their blackout game. They're It'll arguably be a the best night team game. in the conference. This oh, year. completely. I mean, so on. I mean, and there's extra added incentive with Sataki and Tuiaki and, and Gary and all the ties there. I think a lot of players want to to beat Oregon State, but so then you're what five and three after that, and then you have UCLA, which I'm anxious to see what happens to them now after they just kind of got beat badly by ASU. I'm curious about that, too. Then you have at Cal, which Cal is stocked with talent. They have tons of talent. I just, I still think they're soft. I think them and UCLA both are soft. I think, and this is probably bulletin board material, but I just don't see their players as, as tough fighters. Yeah, see, Washington, I, I, I don't think they're great, and yeah. Oregon is beatable. Yeah, see, I I think uh, I think Cal's defense sucks. I, I'm so, like... I'm not sure Sonny Dykes is ever going to have it. He, he they, they returned eight to nine guys, I think, on defense this year. On defense, year. yes. And they are terrible. They get lit up by almost everybody they play. But I like their offense. They they kind of have that um, that uck sense about them that they will their, their, their optimal goal is to just break, don't bend, and outscore your opponent. Yeah, Which yeah. is dangerous. I mean, that's living on the edge when you play that way. 
UCLA, I disagree with you on UCLA. I think UCLA, granted, they just lost and got kind of punched in the mouth by Arizona State. I still think they're a really good team, and this conference is just kind of weird. Like, it's so unpredictable. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all, honestly, if Washington made it a game tonight against USC in L.A. Yeah, I I agree, and I don't think Washington's that good. So No, I don't think Washington's that good. Their defense is better than I thought it would be. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, it is. Let me see. I'm trying to find the uh, trying to find the line for Oregon State and Arizona on Bovada. I can't find it. I'll have to find it on Vegas Insiders. Um, but what do you what like? You know, another reason I'm confident in this game is because I was thinking about. You ever get into a game situation where you're trying to deter? Like, oh, I want to pick a winner. This you ever have those moments where you tell yourself, "Oh man, but I could really see them losing by doing this, 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 but I could see them winning by doing that, that, that." That's me every week, Brandon. <laughs> and I know, I know, and I think a lot of people are that way. I I find myself more in the area of I can see them winning by doing this, this, this than I am really thinking about Arizona. I I know I'm being very like dismissive of of Arizona, considering they were just in the uh, Pac-12 title game. But no Scooby Wright, a terrible defense in the secondary and rush defense, a new Solomon coming back from a concussion hit. We're not even sure what he's going to feel like. And an offensive line that hasn't been great for Nick Wilson. I just, I'm having a no, hard time going the opposite way with Arizona. It, it, it's all adding up. I mean, it all adds up for, but I, I think Coach Anderson likes, I like, I think he likes being the underdog. He's going to, you know, milk it for as much as it's worth. What, how does Arizona beat Oregon State to you? See, I this is this is where I agree with Coach Baldwin. I don't necessarily see Arizona beating Oregon State. I see Oregon State basically, you know, messing it up themselves. Whether you know whether it's bad special teams play, a fumble in the that gives them the ball. I mean, how many times have we seen that this year? I I, I do. I think Oregon State, if they lose, it's because they shot themselves in the foot. God, that would be terrible, especially if it ends up being special teams. Like, Beaver fans did not like Bruce Reed, but, man, another weekend of bad special teams, and I think there's legit people that will tweet different reporters or people that cover Oregon State, and the tweets will pretty much read, at what point do we make a commitment to special teams and not have a guy coach two different positions? Positions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's, but that's where I see, that's honestly how I see Arizona winning, is Oregon State gifting them, you know, whether it's a pick six or a, you know, a muffed punt, muff punt, muff kick that gives mm-hmm. Arizona a good field position. I, I that's where I see it, it coming down to. By the way, Arizona on ESPN.com because Bovada didn't have the line. Uh, ten and a half. They're ten and a half point favorites. Ten no way. Ten and a half point favorites. Well, there you go, Brandon. There, go put your hundo on that now. The over under is sixty two and a half. I don't touch over unders. I feel very uncomfortable with those. Ten and a half is a lot of points. Like this is not a great Arizona team. They're hurting right now. They're reeling off two bad losses. And this is an Oregon State team that, again, the coaching staff makes me feel a little more confident than maybe I should be. Ten and a half is a lot of points. Dude, I put some money on that. I mean, I don't bet, though, so. Yeah, you should put some money on it. I can but hook you take up. the Beavers Beavers with ten points, ten and a half points? Heck yeah. I'd take that in a heartbeat. I'm, I'm, I really am thinking about maybe not a hundo, but maybe 50. Playing some 50 spot on Oregon State, ten and a half. Uh, let's do some damn questions. Let's do it. So okay. you do that right when I just got out of it. So hang on. Oh, my bad. I'll start. No, I, I'll start. Okay, you start. Okay. Let me uh, let me find the first one that I got. Actually, I've got a good one for you since we were just talking over and under. Oh, okay. What in the blue hell on Beaver Blitz says, let's talk some hoops over and under for the number of wins for the men's team? He wants a women's team too, but we'll go with men's. I can't honestly. I this no disrespect. I just can't answer the women's. If you give me a number, I'll give yeah. you an over under. I'll say maybe over because I think Scott Rook's a great coach. What's the over? He's asking for an over under number. Yeah. Or he has one. No, he wants over under for number of wins for men's basketball. I love what they're doing. I was impressed with what they did last year. If I'm setting an over under and I'm trying to win, like I want people to bet, and I think there's a good chance I can take their money. From a from a gambling standpoint, in my mind, I would set the over under for Oregon State at eighteen and a half. Okay. Because I think Fair. a lot of people are going to buy into them as a nineteen to twenty win team. No, you know what? That's too high. I'd go seventeen and a half is what okay. I think Vegas would put. 
And a lot of people just assume that that's a given, that they they win money if they do that. But think about how many wins that is. Like 17 and a half, this is not a program. Granted, it's in new hands, but this is not a program that is accustomed to winning that many games year in and year out. They played really well last year, but there are so many, there's so many unknowns at this point of injuries playing a factor maybe, uh, guys who played well last year that are going to have so much more tape on them that maybe other teams are more prepared for them. The freshmen, we can talk about how many stars are next to the name. At the end of the day, they have to go out and prove that they're worthy of those stars. How inconsistent will they be? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to buy in, and I am, but I'm just saying if I were to set an over-under, my challenge to a listener or a better would be, all right, I'd set it at 17 and a half. Would you take the over? Got it. I would take the over. Would you? Yeah, but I, I don't think it's going to be 20. 16, I haven't looked at their schedule they that close. They won 18 games last year. I believe I counted that right. Three, yeah, I think they did win 18 six, yet last year. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, 17? What the hell? I'll just go look at standings. Um, yeah, so they're right around that 17, 18 number, and I know they've got a lot more people coming in, like big-time names, but I Those guys off to jail. Be why? They all have to gel with the the current guys. So there's they're freshmen. Yeah, they were 17 and 14 last year. So they they were on a roll for a while and they ended up kind of faltering a little bit, um, kind of mid to late Pac-12 season. I would set the over under at 17 and a half. I think that's fair. But I feel high on them. You you're you're bullish. Okay, I'm ready. You have one for me. Yeah, I got one. Uh, I'll save. I'm trying to save some of these for. Hey, screw we talk it. recruiting. We'll, we'll talk recruiting, but I'll 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 put some of these recruiting questions in the damn questions, and then we can maybe have a thing about recruiting. Okay. Uh, outside, this is from at wc underscore tweeter. Outside of the Chandler guys, are there any other high profile four or five star kids you think OSU has a shot at? Yes, there there are probably not ready to go out on the record with some of these guys yet. Um, but there are some top prospects down in California and Texas. The Beavs are still very much in the running with. Um, Theo Howard is one, actually, a wide receiver out of out of California that uh, was committed to Oregon for a while. Uh, if, if they get someone like an Enkeel Harry, though, they really don't need that many wide receivers in this class. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But there are some uh, big names that I've been hearing rumblings about. They just need to win a few and get momentum up for some of these kids. Okay, uh, I'll go again. At Boomy Kid, this is not recruiting. Is okay. Seth Collins the QB of the future or just a placeholder for now? That's at Boomy Kid asking that question. Boomy Kid, I, I we talked about this last last week. I think some. I, this is Seth Collins' job to lose, in my opinion. So, um, I mean, we're a third of the way through the season. I think if he keeps progressing and doing what the staff wants him to do, and you know, yes, there'll be. Some, you know, Daryl Garrettson's coming back next year, and then you'll have freshman Mason Moran. And the staff has said all along they'll put the best guys on the field at any given time. But, um, you know, no, Seth Collins is not just a placeholder at this point. Yeah, I think it's there's still part of me that says caution, like be careful, because if he goes out for the next couple weeks and he just throws absolute goose eggs and throws nothing but picks and doesn't help his team, then you're probably going to see a switch this uh, this season. But I'm, I'm just going to go off gut instinct. I do think he's got the athleticism and talent to earn this spot and be the future more than just a placeholder. I know Garrettson's here, and he's familiar-ish with Gary Anderson. He played at Utah State. Uh, but I still like Seth Collins more than I like Garrettson. Uh, I, I just firmly believe when you give the reins to a true freshman, um, unless he goes out there and throws like 19 picks and two touchdowns, you kind of have to let him go through the bumps and bruises of being a starter in his first year. And let him get that experience. Look at Jared Goff. I know Sonny Dykes has talked about that uh, a couple times this season of Jared Goff benefited so much from playing that first year, his freshman year, that even if you threw when he threw a lot of picks and they weren't very good, I think they had three and nine his freshman year, that's something that benefits the kid long term. And now look where he's at. So Yeah, exactly. I want to believe, I'll just say this, barring injury or complete utter meltdown, Seth Collins for sure is the kid of the future. There you go. See, I was just looking here because you talk about that. And I mean, go back, go back to Sean Mannion for freshman year, 16 TDs, 18 interceptions, 
15 TDs, 13. Mm-hmm. Then thir- 2013, he had 37 touchdowns of 15. So it totally got better as, as time went on. I have Here's another recruiting-type question, and it's, it's a Beaver Blitz one here from GoBeave77. He wanted to know, in the past, it was discussed that Gary Anderson and his staff were keeping a close eye on LDS kids who are returning from missions, not just Beaver commits, but kids from other programs as well, Utah, BYU, Utah State. Mm-hmm. Are we likely to get some help from any of these returning kids, and do you or rivals keep track of these kids? Well. So GoBeave77, I do keep track of these kids. It's um, not easy because, A, they don't keep t- in touch with you, but um, they can't when they're on their mission. Yeah. But I do have my little spreadsheet, and I keep tabs on these kids as, as best as I can. I do expect we see one name I'm really watching closely. He was a 2014 commit at Wisconsin, Ula Tolutau, out of uh, East High School in uh, Salt Lake City, so the same school that Christian Folau went to. Um, he'll be coming back from his mission Big physical back, running back. He can play linebacker. Um, really big kid. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, what kind of shape he's in. Um, I honestly don't even know where he is on his mission at this point. But I do the the young men that signed with Oregon State this past year. Um, I've been keeping in touch with them and keeping in, keeping tabs where they're going on their mission. Uh, Simi Moala, for example, has not left yet, um, but we are keeping close tabs on those guys. And you know, I don't I don't think we see. Anderson necessarily try to go and poach guys that might be coming back from missions. But, um, you know, if they had great relationships with some of these young men, it's totally within the realm of possibility that we see, you know, some new names pop up. I got kind of a dumb question. What do, what do they do on these missions? Well, I'm not LDS, but I believe... <laughs> Can we have an they... LDS person, like, tweet us and kind of give us... I, I'm generally curious, like, what are they... Because they, they literally... Uh, fall off the map for well they're not they're not allowed to i think they're allowed like two calls to their family or their mom on mother's day and christmas yeah they're, they're gone, on their mission like, they're gone um and they're going door to door trying to spread their religion you know you see them on their bikes and they're in pairs oh so when, when those guys come to my door like those guys yeah. are not talking to anybody in their life and they're on a mission yes I thought they those were are the just, missionaries. I thought they were regular churchgoers, and they're just you know trying to spread cheer on their downtime. No, no, they're missionaries. So that's what your your LDS missions. So are those kids? So are the kids that do that, like the football players? A lot of them, like I, I you're seeing Unga right now with the Giants, uh, Wani Unga. You're seeing him succeed. Like we've seen these guys before, especially at Oregon State. How did, are they allowed to work out? Because like I always wonder, how do they not gain a ton of weight or just physically fall off? Well, I mean, they're putting on a lot of miles on their bikes and walking every day, but um, it depends too on where they're at. Because some guys, you know, if they end up in South America, they a lot of them lose a ton of weight. You know, then others end up in St. Louis, and you know, they're they're going to other churchgoers' homes for dinner, and they have home cooked meals every day. So I think it, it changes. But like I said, I, I shouldn't speak to it because I don't know exactly all the ins and outs. But that is a question. You know, you sign a kid. And he comes back, he could be, he could have lost 100 pounds and need two years in the weight room to even be close to playing. Or you have guys that come back and they've gained 50 pounds and they're totally out of shape. Yeah. Yeah, I've always, I've always just kind of wondered that, like, I, I never asked anyone, I interviewed them when I used to work at Comcast, but I've always kind of wondered, like, where do you go? Yeah. Kind of go in, like, the Bermuda Triangle and then you just randomly. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they don't get to, yeah, they don't, they don't get to talk to anybody. Yeah, so, um, Uncle yeah, Fester just disappearing and showing up at the door. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, like I said, trying to keep tabs of these guys. So yeah. go Beave 77 and our listeners and Beaver Blitz and, and Twitter world. I try, I try as hard as I can to keep up with these kids and keep tabs on them, but can't be yeah. easy. Some, some do fall through the cracks or some I've never heard of. So do you want, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, if you have one or. Yeah. Oh, here's one right here. Okay, you go. As we know, expectations are on a sliding scale. So this is a two-part question from KTGoBeeves86. How has the team measured up to your preseason expectations to date? And then what do you expect from the team going forward? We've kind of talked a little bit about that. But. Yeah. Um, I guess if I was to sum it up quicker, because, yeah, we've, we talked a lot about yeah. that. Uh, I would say it's a good question, first of all. It's a good two-part question. I would say um, – my preseason expectations were I liked the staff, but I didn't I had I didn't really have any. It was just kind of I want to see you compete and keep things close, and they have. 
And I would say I'm more encouraged going forward with this staff thus far. And granted, it's four weeks in going into week five for them. Uh, I'm more encouraged to the future and what they can do. They continue this recruiting uh, commit stuff that they're on, this role that they're on. And you add that with winning a road game or two at Washington State or at Arizona and getting to four or five, maybe six wins. I don't know how you feel anything else other than ecstatic. Especially, Yeah, no, I... I- They've totally, you know, I like you, I had no expectations. Yeah, I mean, especially considering what you're seeing right now in Lincoln, <laughs> where expectations were tremendous. Tremendous. And it's kind of, it's almost night and day different. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, that's kind of where I fall with the team. So I have one more here. Um, Jump Drive on Beaver Blitz asked Angie, who do you think will stay around for their senior year that may have a possibility to going to the NFL? Way, way too early for that. Wait, wait, wait. Reread that question. Who do you think will stay around for their senior year and have a possibility of going to the NFL? Mm, Villeman? Yeah, that's, I add Villeman. I, I mean, right now, the seniors, I mean, I think you have to look at Pecco, Grimble. Mm-hmm. Pecco for sure. Grimble, eh, Gr- it'll be tough for Grimble, but uh, he got a shot. He's a big kid, but I'd take Pecco. Uh, if we're projecting, I, again, that it's so tough with freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Mitchell got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think Deku is big enough? Well, he's only a junior. I I know, but I I'm just saying, like, if he sticks around, he's he's here next year, obviously, and he plays and has a good year. Is he big enough? Because yeah, he's he's kind of a tweener. That's kind of what really has hurt Rashad Reynolds. Yeah, no, you're right. Reynolds is a great cover big. corner, but he's not that big in the NFL. Speaking of big corners, I, it was fun watching my kids who aren't huge NFL fans just because we don't watch NFL, but they love watching all the teams with the Beavers on it. Mm-hmm. We watched, and they love Brandon Cooks because they've met him, and they think he's just like the nicest guy. Which he's the Brandon, knees, yeah. Yes, Brandon is a great guy. But um, we were watching that Pittsburgh-Dallas game the other night, and Brandon Browner, holy cow. Oh, that you guy mean the is, Saints? Saints-Cowboys game? Saints-Cowboys, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was, that guy's a beast. How many people, I'm curious, like, I know there's a lot of diehard fans. How many people, like, remembered him instantly when they saw him kind of reemerge? They were like, oh, yeah, he did play at Oregon State. I'm curious of that. Because he wasn't he only there a year before he got kicked out? No, he was there two or three. You're right. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of, um, God, what was that kid's name? He he ended up playing in the NFL. What was his name? Boy Francis. Yes, Koi Francis is who I'm thinking of. You're right. Never mind. Brandon Browner was there, I think, three, left early. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, he kind of, I think he kind of had to. I, I don't know how his, his grades were. So I think it was kind of a, <laughs> I, I got to go while I can. Well, so, he got through um, three years, so they're good yeah. for three years. So, um, and I don't know if we're positive on that, but <laughs> Koi Francis is who you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that's who I was. Th- I was for sure who I was thinking of. But yeah, Browner's still—he's a beast, man. He's six two, two hundred and ten. He's just got to be a problem for most wide receivers. Which is—it's going to be fun because I think that's the direction that you know Odom wants to go with his corners. Mm-hmm. I think he wants big physical corners for sure. Uh, I got one from at Coach Morrow. Do Coach top- Morrow, you've got one for us every week. It's awesome. It is. It's great. Do top recruits tend to lean more towards a school that already has commits from other? top recruits? Good question. That is a great question, and I'm going to say yes. And, it, again, it's different for each each player, but there's that pride factor in a lot of these guys. Ego plays a big role, so a lot of guys want to go where the best guys are going. Mm-hmm. They, want to, they want to go. A, it sounds really cool when you're going with all these top prospects. You're going to the same school as they are, but they want to go up against the best every day. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they're competitors. They want to they want to stick to, and they want, you know, the thought of playing with all the top prospects. They they talk about that winning championships. That's the kind of things these guys talk about. So, it definitely definitely comes into play. Uh, I got one more on my end at J underscore Eshelman. What does the twenty seventeen in state class look like? Who are the beefs targeting, if any at all? Oh, 2017. Jay, I wish I. I mean, I have my notes, but. I am not ready to talk on record about that yet. <laughs> but hey, next week, let me do a little more. Sorry, Jay. In. Angie's just a jerk and I she's know. not ready. I am not quite there yet <laughs> to, to go out on a limb. I mean, there's some talented kids, but 
I have to, you know, let me let me do a little more research, but I just made a note of it, and next week I will be prepared to talk 2017 Oregon kids. All right. So do you have any more? I don't. I'm all good. Right. There's our damn questions. Thank you guys for submitting those. Uh, we appreciate We love all the feedback, all the listens, uh, negative or positive feedback-wise. I don't really care uh, as long as you listen, so we appreciate that. Appreciate the questions and the interaction. Uh, and, you know, if you guys enjoy the answers, then great. We, we, we do uh, gratefully appreciate the support um, that we get. Uh, let's let's talk quickly about recruiting before we wrap this thing up. Um, thinking about the recruiting end of Oregon State, we briefly talked about what it means to get two four-star kids, but also when do things really, like I know the signing day in February, but for recruiting and everything else, like is there anything in the coming months, like end of October, November, December, like when does it really get crazy in your opinion? It's it's crazy now just because this is a big time for official visits to come in during the season. So, um, you know, at Colorado game week, we've talked about it, but, you know, Mason Moran, the quarterback commit, is bringing up two teammates, a four-star Chase Lucas and a five-star Keel Harry. So big-time visitors are, are starting to make their way. And so it's it's busy right now because this is when the coaches are trying, you know, these young men get five official visits. So a lot of these top prospects, the Beavers are trying to position themselves to get one of those visits. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's busy, but it really picks up then, you know, December, January, December gets quieter on, you know, the holidays and then January it picks up and it's crazy. It, then you start having, it's either babysit mode where you're trying to protect all your commits. The coaches are just there to make sure nobody else poaches them or they're out trying to poach guys from other programs that may be willing to listen. So, um, it's it's wild. It's a wild ride, and um, you know people on Blitz know I've said this for years. That it's not for the faint of heart, really, because yeah. you can't get too attached to you know a kid because something might come up, and it's a better fit somewhere else. And you also can't believe everything you hear, maybe from a, a prospect's perspective. You know, coaches aren't able to comment on a recruit until they sign. So, you know, you'll see a lot of things. A program, you know, an athlete will say, "Oh, I'm decommitting from such and such program." Well. You might not know the whole story. The the coaches might have came to the kid and said, hey, you're not going to get a lot of playing time here. Mm-hmm. Or can you gray shirt? And you'll see kids open it up. It, it's good for the kids. It doesn't make them look bad like they've been dropped. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot to a lot of behind-the-scenes stories that go on um, during recruiting that it can get crazy. But um, it's a lot of fun, too. And Oregon State always does a really good job of, of – recruiting quality young men in t- with integrity. I mean, they, they've been doing great. Keep, I've keep, kept in touch with them each, each week and, and how they're doing in their, with their high school teams and some really, really upstanding kids there. How, of the kids they have that committed thus far, does any of them, you, uh, any of them worry you or strike you as kids that, eh, I'd be a little nervous come signing day who he's really going to choose? Um, not yet. You know, honestly, the guys I've been keeping in touch with are all – Super solid. Um, you know, the quarterback, you always you always want your quarterback to be solid because you kind of build that offensive class around the quarterback, and you want a leader. And so, you know, a guy like Mason Moran, is he's the number one quarterback in Arizona right now. He's lighting things up. He runs. He throws. And he's, he's one of those – he's a leader. You know, he's gotten two guys on his team to, to say they'll take one of their five official visits to Oregon State. Um, so that's – you know, positive. Trevon Bradford is a local product out of Oregon City who very vocal on social media about being Oregon State bound. Um, Christian Wallace, Sherrod Thompson, both have been very uh, outgoing. Sometimes distance, well, you know, I'll, I'll start to wonder about kids, especially Florida or Texas kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because sometimes in, in January, Miami or Florida or Florida State might come and offer a kid. And that's sometimes hard, you know, to tell your family and friends and parents that, no, I'm going across the country to Oregon State when a really good program right here in state wants me to go. But um, no, I mean, Artavis seems very solid. Um, Joe Robinette is one. Rivals has him listed as a two-star defensive end, but the kid, I've watched some film. He's long. He's super athletic. He's 6'8", mm-hmm. 225, and uh, could really kind of turn into a, a pass rush monster for Oregon State down the road. When a lot of these kids, too, they we've seen it in the past, they they could shoot up, their stars could go up, a couple teams start getting interested and look in their way. Stars can always fluctuate as well, uh, depending on the attention. Yeah, um, and, and Joa, like, for example, but, you know, that can also, when they're really solid, I mean, he's told me a couple schools, Arizona offered him recently, and he told them that, no, he saw it with Oregon State. So, wow. 
they back off. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these young men, they don't even want to be tempted. It's like, no, I'm done. I'm happy where I'm going. Should we, should we, um, should we, before we get to predictions real quick and, and kind of wrap this thing up, should we talk at all about the fact that Oregon State has the best quarterback in the in the state, or do we avoid that awkward conversation for a lot of Duck fans? Kind of curious there. Who, who is Oregon's quarterback these days? I, I really don't know. I have no idea. I, I'll say Honestly. That. I'm not surprised they took a step back. Like, the idea that you can just replace Mariota uh, was kind of laughable to me. I still thought Vernon Adams was going to have a great season and they were going to be a good team, but the idea that nothing was going to fall off was always laughable to me. I would you know, be panicked if I'm in duck land. You know, what, what's interesting to me, and, and I've gotten this conversation with friends of mine that are ducks, and, you know, I think what duck fans maybe have discounted, and they're, throughout time, I mean, there's, there's special coaches and players that come through programs. I mean, just that their mark is left so much bigger than, like, the position they coached or the position they played. I would put Chip Kelly as one of those special coaches. No doubt. I mean, he was able to do such great things, and I put Mariota in that same. Yeah. I, I put Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, mm-hmm. put him in the same category. There's, there's just guys that have been able to get it done, and I think maybe Duck fans, that coaches underestimated the impact that Mariota had. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know if the coaches did, but I think there are some fans out there that, oh, Vernon Adams looks good, or yeah, they barely lost to Michigan State, they'll be okay. Yeah, it looks like a dumpster at that position. I think they got to go with a sophomore kid personally. Lockie can't play quarterback for crap. Uh, so you're saying the walk-on kid from Springfield? Yeah, I mean, what else do you do? Vernon Adams I don't even know what they play. have. Uh, yeah, it's Mahalik, their red shirt. That was supposed to be the new savior. Okay. Did, you, did you see that quote? No. Alfred's <laughs> pretty. No, I don't follow. I know, you know, I know, but we get. I get the audio but here you get at both. the fan. Yeah, you yeah. Get both. and we. And I do. I do do both on the show. Uh, and Alfred had a quote was like. What happened to Morgan Mahalik? And he was like, yeah, you know, we didn't really develop him very well, his red shirt year, so he's really not an option. Like, they pretty much admitted they sucked at coaching him last year, and he's not ready. Wow. Like, holy hell, it's just not looking pretty right now. So, look, look, Oregon State fan, feel great. Your team might not be that great, but you probably have the best quarterback in the state right now. Saying a lot. It is saying a lot. It's the most important position in football. Yeah. Other than maybe a collective offensive line and uh, stout defense. Anyways, I, I still have a Real quick, we'll wrap this thing up. Who do you got winning? Well, give me a score. Let's do the stupid thing. Let's do the cliche thing. Give me a score, winner, and a brief reason why. Which, I, like I said earlier, is I hate doing This is like the, my least favorite thing ever is picking scores beforehand. But I, I, I'll go with what I said earlier. I said 27-24 Arizona. I, I do think, though, the Beavers have – a, this is a huge opportunity, and they they could just as easily come out with a big win. I went with the Heat, but see, you've, wow. you've like weighed me over there with wow. your with your no boozing and look at you. you. Still didn't pick Oregon State though. But yeah, see, and then I could jinx them. I mean, gosh, after my Tim Cook, I'm gun shy about saying anything positive <laughs> about anybody. <laughs> I could jinx everybody, you know. I don't blame you. Um. I'm gonna I go. went to Racha Bull the one time too, and that didn't. Yeah, so I'm going with the 20. Yeah. I, like I said, I can't have 57 different picks out there. So 27, 24 Arizona. I think there's going to be an offensive explosion, and I'm going to say Oregon State 34, Arizona 17. You heard it there. I think Oregon State is going to win this game. I don't buy what's been going on with Arizona the last two weeks. Um, I knew Solomon coming back from concussion. Nick Wilson hasn't really got it going. Their defense is putrid. Oregon State, if they're ever going to move the ball, it's this weekend against Arizona. So Oregon State 34, Arizona 17. There you have it. Boom. Picking Boom the goes Beavers. The dynamite right and there. I wouldn't have picked that preseason. I, in fact, in my mind, I picked Oregon State to lose that game, but I feel differently now. Okay. All right. If you guys want any great, we get we give you great recruiting nuggets here, mainly Angie. Uh, beaverblitz.com it is so cheap to be a member and it's well worth the information you get don't buy any of the hype that you see on social media crap Angie is the best at what she does covers recruiting extensively and it's literally a couple cups of coffee a month to be a member it's a great community great conversations on the at the lodge at the, the lodge on their community uh, message board and again great insight from Angie 
her husband. I don't, I don't Eric, Twitter stalk kids either. So no, you do not. You actually contact I them actually the right have way. Phone numbers and yes. So beaverblitz.com encourage you to go there support angie she does a great job busting her ass raising a family doing whatever she can to bring you guys uh oregon state coverage angie machado one on twitter uh i'm at brandon sprague on and twitter. listen to dirt and sprague boom there you go boom dirt and sprague noon to three ten noon to the three fan. every single day you it's can catch well it. worth a listen thank you brandon mr negative that. you know i don't see it but <laughs> supposedly people think you're negative when people, when you say like, "Hey, Andy Dalton, is he better than name this quarterback?" and you say Andy Dalton's been a bum in the playoffs, everybody wants to classify you as Mister Negative. It's just a reality. He's over. It's reality. Yeah. What has he done? Jeez Louise, man. You're if somebody. I guess I'm just as negative. <laughs> somebody's negative is like just sometimes it is reality. Is what I've come to learn. But noon to three, ten eighty, the fan Monday through Friday, and of course, thank you everybody. For listening to the damn podcast, Angie, I had a lot of fun today. Yeah, I did too. Let's we'll have a lot more fun next week if the Beavs win. There we go. Damn podcast, Oregon State, Arizona. Hope you guys enjoy the game. Thank you for listening. Go Beavs.